first, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. To start us off, I'll let you introduce yourself, tell the listeners a little bit about where you went to college, what you majored in, and maybe what year you graduated. So my name is Ogechi Musa, and I graduated from Boston College in 2015, and I majored in psychology, and also I have a film minor. So that is my educational background. Currently, I'm living in L.A., and I'm pursuing two careers at once. Recently, I actually just decided to be on one path, but yeah, I'll leave that to the other questions, but that's a short summary of my background. Yeah, cool. Well, that is actually what I was... Well, actually, first, let me say, what were some of the extracurriculars or some of the things that you did outside of the classroom in college? So there is two me's, really. I I always knew... So I operated... I don't know. I just... I see a system, and I, I figure out what the system is, what it's looking for from me. I was very good at that. Maybe it's Hopkins training. Who knows? You know, like I just was ready for building my resume and building myself so that I can be sellable, you know, so I can actually land something after college. Right. So just like at Hopkins or alma mater high school, you, you had to do these extra Kroger activities, you know, you had to be in sports or you're doing something else, you know? So I think I really, that really just kind of conditioned me. So I did a lot, a lot of different leadership stuff. So UGB, that's undergrad government at BC. There was the AHANA Leadership Council. Now, AHANA was basically the acronyms African American, Hispanic, Asian, Native American. I think those are all the acronyms, but you know, the people of color on campus. So that was a whole leadership council was part of that was doing like stuff with the women of the women of the color caucus division. So I did a whole bunch of stuff with that. And that group, I did stuff with the national like residents Paul Honorary, I was like the director of something, <laughs> PR or something, all these random things. It's so funny because I would be at the career day and all my friends who know me at night, you know, they would see me just like hungover at career at the different tables, you know, promoting whatever, like join us, join us. You know what I mean? So like I said, there's two entities and they, that was really just, I did lead, you know, I'm a born leader. So I feel like I was drawn to those like leadership roles, but I also knew that's what I needed for the resume. You know, I was like, like, all right, let me check these boxes off. And it filled my time. I also was involved in arts. So I, I always actually kept arts in my life, no matter when I was pursuing, because I initially, my major freshman year was biochemistry. So we're not even going to talk about that. But it really changed over the years. And when I was on the pre-med track, I always did some type of art too. So I was involved at art with the arts in at BC. Not as, I'm not, I wasn't a theater kid, you know, but I was a theater kid's friend. I was affiliated. I was affiliated. You know, I feel like I was affiliated with everything. But I did that. You know, I, I wrote a play that was in the arts festival. So the and then I directed it and wrote it. So that was fun. So yeah, I kind of just dipped and dabbled in a whole bunch of different things. I kept myself very busy. And outside of all of that, I partied. You know, it was like, that was my part time job. Yeah. And that that really encompassed a lot of my time at BC. Not going to lie, you know, going to keep it fully transparent because I got it all out. I got it all out in college. I'm just going to say that. But yeah, I was busy with that, too. You know, (laughs) like that was also a part of the life. But yeah, that's that summarizes it in a very large nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I also I feel like that's sort of I like that you touched on that because I think sometimes, you know, 
when, as you're sort of saying, like, there are these things that you need to do, you're, like, trying to get them on your resume, it is important to remember that, like, part of college is making friends because, you know, that's going to be a big part of your life, you know? And I think sometimes, you know, when you're feeling stressed out about, like, what am I going to do professionally, it's important to remember to, like, maintain that balance. So I, I like that you included that. And so... Why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of where you are now and like before we jump into the nitty gritty, a brief overview of sort of how you got to where you are now. Ooh, brief overview. Those two words. I don't know if they <laughs> my vocabulary. I'm going to try though. So right now, and this is brand spanking new info, Sarah. So it, this might change in a month, but I actually just recently quit my full-time six-figure job. Wow. I did that. Yeah, that, wow. that happened in June, right before turning 30. I had achieved a lot of my goals in this in the healthcare industry, and I realized I wasn't moving with intention. So that was, and that was affecting my mental health. Throughout my career in healthcare, that, that was always a thing. It was always a struggle with me pursuing filmmaking, getting my films done, producing, directing on the side. It felt like my career of purpose was always on the side than the career that was making me money. Right. So basically right now where I'm at, I led a life of having two careers after college. And one of them was healthcare IT. And that was great. Got exposed to a lot of different uh, projects. And I was basically just in different hospitals, worked for the best hospitals in L.A. And then it led me to really just realizing that it wasn't for me, even well, to the capacity of full time, because I was climbing in a career that wasn't my purpose. So it led me just recently this past June, I'm like, this is it. There's a lot of different signs as well. And the universe, it was really, it just made sense to me in that moment. But basically where I am now is I'm being a freelance writer, freelance filmmaker. I own my own production company. I've owned it for the past five years. So I'm pushing that forward as well. We have a uh, full feature documentary in post-production. So I have all these projects with my career of passion, which is filmmaking, that are in full motion, and it's beautiful. How I got here, it's, it's really just a matter of trying to enter the film industry right when I graduated, but then being presented another opportunity with healthcare IT. So then I hopped on that path while I continued to independent filmmake. So then it was just like the past five years of that, you know, two paths, one one leg in one path and the other in the other path. It was wild. And that's, I literally got spread thin, you know, just because I was, I was climbing in one and then I was like doing a lot in the other. So that's, that's why I am today. I, I chose one path and I'm still doing independent consulting with healthcare, but it's really, I work for myself and it's not a full-time job. It's really, I choose my schedule and I choose projects that fit my schedule. Yeah. Was that well, brief? <laughs> I, I thought it was, I, I think you really Great. got it. My name is Sarah Seymour and I graduated from Yale University in 2018. Like a lot of 20-somethings, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I graduated. I remember literally googling what do people do all day, and feeling like unless I conducted a ton of informational interviews, there was no really good way to figure out what different jobs were like. I remember when I was applying to college, there was the Fisk Guide to Colleges, which was this book that described different colleges, what size they were, what the vibe was on campus, and so on and so forth. And all I wanted was for that to exist, but for careers. So this podcast is my best effort to create that through a series of informational interviews. 
I'll be interviewing people anywhere between three and 10 years out of college across different industries to try to help you get a sense of different career paths. Just like you, these people have gone to liberal arts colleges and universities and weren't exactly sure what they wanted to do afterwards. The only difference is they're a few years out of college and can give you the inside scoop on what they were looking for, how they found their jobs, and how it turned out. Well, first, let me just say congratulations on sort of jumping in with two feet into your into your film career. I'm I'm so excited for you that you're you feel like you're at a point where you can sort of take that head on. I'm I'm really excited for you. So I guess then let's let's go back to when you were coming out of college. You mentioned that you sort of tried to jump into the film industry coming out of college. What were some of the things that you were thinking about as you were looking for your first job out of college? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, and I feel like I, when I left, so I took a year, I should have graduated in 2014. I took a year and I graduated in 2015. During that year, that gap year, really, I always, I I just, there was so much awakening during that year. And I actually embarked on writing, producing and directing my first feature film. So when I went back to school immediately after, because I don't think I would have been welcome back to my family if I didn't, but that's, <laughs> but that's another thing. I went back right away just because I was like, let me get this degree real quick. You know, I've put so much time and effort and now I'm just redirected. Went right back and I had this film that I had started shooting and doing all this stuff for casting and producing and I went back to school you know so I was already in the mindset of being an independent filmmaker while trying to make it doing something else to pay the bills so when I graduated I just continued that mindset I was already like still finishing the film and pushing it out there getting it into film festivals so I was on that path And then I'm like, okay, let me see if I can apply to something that is relevant to film industry. So I just started applying to executive assistant, PAs. And like I told you earlier, I was like looking at all of these past emails in my Gmail. And I saw all these resumes, you know, all these emails that I sent out that had no response. It was like hundreds of them. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm a talented filmmaker looking for, you know, a position with you. You know, I did all of that. I joined, I think, entertainmentcareers.net and they would send different jobs and whatnot. So I joined all of that. So I did I did those steps to applying. So I started applying and finishing my film on the side. And I was already doing what I love doing, which is actually like be, like doing the film, you know, like producing it, editing it. So it was interesting because when my sister came to me with an opportunity of getting into the health industry, because I was pre-med and I love, I still love all that. You know, I still at the end of the day, I'm a science geek. That's still a part of me. Like I can't let that go. She was like, you'd be great at this. You know, you can talk to doctors. You've done this. You've studied this. You talk about neuroscience all day. You know, I love it. I still love it. So she presented that to me after all of these rejections or no replies, you know, from like, just like, putting my job applications in. So it just seemed that's what I should do. You know, it was like, okay, let me now like get this position. So that was the process. I started to apply and then I was presented with another opportunity. And it was interesting because my sister's in that industry. So it was a referral. 
So it's like, how did I get the job? It was a straight referral, you know, and it's wild because I'm thinking, imagine if I had that for the film industry, my life would be completely different. So it was who you knew. It was who I know because it was my sister in the industry already. So it was that connection that got me the application that got me the interview because she's like this one right here, you know, BC grad. Hello, like pre-med path. You know, she just like really put me forward and then I just knocked it out the water. So you mentioned that you were sort of that you took this year and were working on an independent film. How did you, like, had you, I guess you had taken film classes. How much of those film and your film minor, like, taught you how to, uh, you know, submit things to festivals or how, you know, I've heard from some people who studied in the arts generally that while a lot of schools will teach you the technique of, you know, like, the, the, like, technical skills of how to do the art, they don't always teach you how to make a practical career out of it. Was that your experience or how did you navigate that? Absolutely. You hit it on the nail because I used none of my experience in college to make my film. If anything, I had tools that I learned from studying, that I learned from interacting with people, that I learned from meeting people from all paths, you know, that I learned from maybe my acting classes, you know, there were things here and there, but It was never in a class. It was never laid out. And I actually did my minor when I returned to school. So it was afterwards, after doing the film and after I was like, okay, this is this is a career I can do. You know, I'm doing it. I love it. So then I went back to school. When I went back, I was like, okay, let me hatch. Let me do the minor. And I loved all my film classes. It was amazing. I had the highest GPA that last year. Made the dean's list, all that, because I was focused. I was redirected. And I didn't have distractions because my class graduated. You know, So, so there was all of that, you know. But I, it was nothing. It was nothing from BC that led me to becoming a filmmaker. If anything, it really was the people I met during that year. I was away from school. It was like away from the mundanity and just like, I don't know, it was, it was so refreshing to just take a break from what you had been structured to do and be for so long since you're in the educational system. It was just like, I needed that to realize I can do this. You know, I can just write. And I was encouraged heavily by filmmakers that I met. So they taught me. I learned from watching. I learned from observing my friends. I learned from seeing seeing directors and producers. And I worked with this one director who was directing his own feature film as well. He was an independent director based in Boston huge production, and I learned from them. So it was really mentees, you know, mentors rather, and just seeing them and being in it and experiencing it and just saying, oh, okay. And then I had to research on my own. So those tools of researching on my own, that's definitely learned from school. You know, I definitely learned how to figure out a problem, figure out that solution based off of the skills I learned in school. So it's kind of mixed. It's kind of a yes and no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how did you meet the people that you were working with on your year off? So I literally just auditioned. I went out and I auditioned. That was because I started as an actress. Still kind of am. I'm probably going to bring that back now that I have some time on my hands. No. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll pursue it again because I feel like that was my that was my first love. You know, even at Hopkins, that's when when I tore my ACL, I turned to Hope Hardup was like, you should come and act. I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to. So then it, it just organically happened because I didn't have, I don't want to say sports was a distraction, but I didn't have that main purpose 
was like muted. You know, it, it got paused. So then this other purpose of art and acting really let me flourish. I mean, I've always wanted to act. Like that's always been just like a secret, like want and wish, you know, and dream since I was young. So I pursued it. You know, that's what that year was for. That it was for. And I actually, right before taking time off, it was, I was auditioning already. I was already just like trying to get out to Boston and do things in that way. So when I was away from school, I was like, let me continue doing that. And I actually ended up on a few productions based off of my auditions. So I met them on set. I met them on set and it was this movie that Theory of Conflict, it's it shot in Boston. The director of photography, Darren Cole, he was the one who, he's my main mentor. I always say he's my filmmaking like brother slash mentor, like all of that. He's a, so talented. And then our filmmaking godfather, Raman, Raman Oladigbulu, he was like this Nigerian filmmaker who cast me, and then I just learned from them. I was always in the studio, so I went out and auditioned. So it really took me just going out there and doing the audition, and it's people who I met on set. Okay, so then you graduate and you have this sort of plan to have this dual career. Let's take a moment and talk a little bit about sort of how your healthcare career evolved and sort of some of what your day-to-day looked like on that side. So it started off as just independent consulting. So I would basically be on certain projects. So there was always like this third-party healthcare firm that would find independent contractors, which are us, the consultants, who have these specialties in certain parts of the EMR program. And it's just clinical documentation that they use at hospitals. So they would find us, and then we would then go to specific hospitals or, or clinics. You know, I did a lot of outpatient clinics that would have these implementations of the program that we are specializing in. So there's a lot of different ways to document, but just to do clinical documentation. There's a couple of different programs out there, but Epic is like the main one. So we knew we were all Epic specialists. So it started off as like small projects, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks. And then I started just to climb and make connections and to really learn the program. And that was on my own learning it on my own because I did multiple projects of, you know, it was it was independent consulting. So it was really just whoever was going live, that hospital or that clinic, then we would then go to that project. So it wasn't consistent, very similar to uh, the film industry. That's what I figured out later on in life. So it started off as inconsistent. It started off as getting these gigs here and there. And then I started to learn, I started to make connections and I became consistent on one team because they had many, many go lives. So I stayed with one team, it was still traveling, but then I applied to Cedar sinai So then I was like, let me try to go to hospitals. Let me be based somewhere with structure. Let's go full time. So then after doing these projects, getting the experience, starting to train, I then started to apply to full-time jobs in healthcare industry as opposed to part-time and independent consulting. So then I got hired full-time at one of the best hospitals in LA and that's what moved me to LA because that was the plan. The plan was to use this career to get to LA, you know, or just to find a hospital that'll bring me to LA. I'll have a job, you know, while I'm in LA so I'm not struggling. You know, I always said I was a well-fed artist. You know, I like to be well-fed. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable. So that was the plan. You know, that was the design of using this career to help with the other one. And what was your day-to-day like in terms of your full-time role at the hospital? What did that sort of look like? When, what, what time did your day start? Did you have to work on weekends? How did that work? 
Yep. So at the full time, it was definitely different than the consultant life just because sometimes you have 12 hour shifts. So your shift reflects the shifts of the people you're working with. Right. So with go lives, it was I my shift was based off of the uh, the nurses or the doctors that I was supporting or even the front desk that I was supporting. So it would mirror that. But when I was at Cedars at the L.A. hospital, basically it was nine to five. You know, maybe sometimes eight to four. <laughs> and it was that very typical structure. It was in a cube. And that was, it was an open cube though, you know, open desk set up. That was supposed to help. But, you know, fluorescent lights and it was very corporate. And it was that office setting that as an artist is similar to a jail, you know, like just the, just the setup of it. And my day to day consisted of, you know, I would try to do a morning routine. It was all new when I moved to LA because it was my first car, my first apartment, my first job, essentially. So it was a very fun, exciting time. So I, my day to day really consisted of getting up, doing my routine, getting to work. And sometimes we would all have oatmeal (laughs) in the, you know, in the break room. And then I would, I would start my tasks of the day. You know, there was, there was a couple of things I always had to do. I was either credentialing. So I had to learn the program and I was learning the program and I was training. So after I learned the program, I would train classes So any new hire, I would have to go to the location where we're training and train that class, train the new hires of nurses or doctors, and that would be the day. And then I would grade them, and there's other logistical stuff. Then we started implementing different types of offices, affiliates, we called them. So then we, I would have projects. So outside of just training the new hires, I would then have projects that I would have to lead and learn the, the whole system, the module that I was training them on and create a curricula as well as to how to teach them the program. So those are like, yeah, those are the day-to-day tasks. And then I would go home and then, you know, I would try to put some time into my, you know, filmmaking career. I think the first like four months maybe wasn't much of that because I was so focused on just like keeping this job essentially because it was how I was surviving in LA. But at some point I wrote, directed and produced a short film in LA (laughs) in in tangent of living that life. But yeah, if we're keeping it on one, the one path, that would be the typical day. And we hung out a lot. A lot of my coworkers, we would just like hang out afterwards because it was really, yeah, it was really, it was definitely demanding just because there was a lot of pressure because of who we worked with. Celebrities go to the hospital all the time. But yeah, but I still maintained a social life as well. Absolutely. Still, still did dinner. Still did, still did that, which was good. So I had a decent balance. Cool. And so how long were you sort of working as a consultant and then how long were you working at the hospital in LA? So I started working as a consultant 2015 and then I got the job at Cedars in 2017. So it was two years on and off. There was a period within that two years between 2015 and 2017 where I took a long break because my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So that was when I really was home and just stayed home. But then I went back on the road here and there to do projects. But it was two years of consulting. And then I went full time from 2017 until 2020. I was at Cedars for almost three years, yeah, and and then I did a little bit of consulting and then went to another hospital full-time, and that's the most recent hospital that I just left, just because it was it was the same experience. Well, well it wasn't like the same experience, but I had done it already, 
Cedars was like, that was what I did already. The full-time experience, I did it already. And it felt, it felt good because I hit my goals and now I have a certification. I'm worth more in that industry. I was getting paid more. I was getting paid the most I've ever gotten paid in the most recent place that I left. But it, it still, I still knew that it wasn't where I needed to be in that moment in, in my life. So yeah, those yeah. are the, the year. That's the timeline. Okay, cool. And so thinking about, you know, your, your healthcare career, what are some of the things that you liked about it? And what are some of the things that someone might not like about that work, even if it didn't necessarily bother you? So I really, really loved training the doctors. I really loved it. I really loved just being amongst them and just like having the opportunity to help their hands, you know, in their work, just because ultimately I was that my mind was on the pre-med path for so long. And there was a reason for that. You know, I really feel like we're doing good work, you know, in science. We definitely are. And that is what we're here to do. We're here to take care and we're here to heal. We're here to do all of that. So I've always been an advocate for science, always have respected the sciences, as well as just different types of providers. So I think I loved doing that because it was just fun. It was kind of as if I was still there, that I was still doing that, even though I'm not on my pre-med path, it still, I still felt satisfied. It still felt felt fulfilling to that past purpose, you know, that past, that past dream or that past path. So it definitely satisfied that past path that I let go because I decided not to become a doctor myself, but it still was helping and being a part of why I wanted to become a doctor, why I wanted to be able to have them really take care of their patients to the utmost quality that they can. And that is knowing how to use the computer system. You know, if you document something incorrectly, that's a life, you know? So I think that I saw that in a way I found, I found my purpose in that line of work. I found how how I was impacting their work and impacting the patients who they're taking care of. So I tried to, I, that's how I saw it in the position. So I loved that. And that comes with being able to handle certain personalities. So I think that is one thing that one would not like is working with doctors, to be quite honest. The ego, you know, like we we all know, like there's just a level of, I don't know, there's just a level of, I don't want to call it hubris. I want to you know, there's just a level of confidence that providers have. It's the God complex. Like, it, that's just what exists, right? And it's true. Not everyone, of course, but that is, you have difficult providers that you work with, period. And they will break you down. You know, they will make you feel as if you are nothing by a simple word, you know what I mean? Or a simple look. And you do encounter that when you are consulting and you're trying to help them. You do encounter that. So that is definitely a reason people do not like this job, just because it is difficult when you are implementing an EMR, you're introducing change in their life. You are changed to them. Imagine anyone trying to change, you know, a doctor's routine, like, and what they're used to. It's, it's a difficult task. So yeah, I enjoyed it because it was a challenge, but I know many people would not. And many of my coworkers do not. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So you just mentioned that you knew that you didn't want to be a doctor. Do you have a sense of like when you figured that out and sort of how? Because I imagine there are a lot of people, actually, there's someone that I interviewed in another episode and she sort of jokingly said to me, like, you need to have an episode about like people, someone who decided not to become a doctor. (laughs) So like, and part of it is I think a lot of times people are sort of afraid to step away from medicine, like step away from the idea of becoming a doctor because it's, it requires so much planning to get into. And if you're pre-med, 
you put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to <laughs> making it any amount of the way down that path. So, you know, how how did you sort of decide that wasn't the right thing for you? And, and when did you realize that? Yeah, that's a great question. I believe that when I was in school and I was studying probably sophomore year, I, you know, it's, I always, I kind of also want to say that it's who you surround yourself by and you know, what your environment is, you know, because what I, what happened to me was that my environment impacted the way I was kind of my, my performance in school, despite all of what I can bring to the table that, that impacted me severely. So I did have some peer influence in this decision to a degree, just because I felt as if I didn't have it within to push through. I was like, I don't, I have no motivation for this. I have no, was, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel myself in the work. I didn't feel it at all, right? And I don't know if that was a matter, because I think a factor of that is environment. I told you I was partying a lot, even though some of my friends were pre-med, but I remember one of my friends, we both dropped at the same year, the same time, you know, we were like, eh, do we want to do this? But it also, we also were just like looking at it like, do we want to do this? You know, we had this question that got brought up and I wasn't in it. You know, I wasn't, I didn't feel motivated. I, I remember just like going through the motions, you know, and I've just felt like a lot of my studying and why I was taking certain classes, it was just all mechanical. You know, I was identifying just the routine that I didn't, I didn't make, you know, it wasn't my, it wasn't my routine. You know, I was just following the steps. So I recognized that. I recognized how robotic I was becoming with the, when I, with the notion of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I realized that it was the classes, taking the classes, going through all of that. I didn't have the drive that would have pushed me through, you know, and where that drive went and why it left. That's a, that's another question. You know, that's another, that's another alternative reality. I can't even embark on, you know, because I'm thinking I've thought about if I went to Smith, that's where both of my sisters went. I thought about, wow, I would have had a different, completely different experience. I might've ended up a doctor. You know, that's why I'm like, that might have happened. It, it's interesting to think, but, you know, you got to go with the flow. you got to go with the flow of your life and what you're feeling in that moment because there's a reason that I've turned to just film. I've impacted people. I've, I love it. It's my drive. I love it, you know, and you can't doubt that. You can't doubt what you love. So that is my clear, my clear indication that I, I need to be doing that because it's just so natural. So something that's so natural compared to how I was feeling doing that, it that's really how I knew. Cause I'm just like, you listen to your body, you listen to, you have to be in tune with yourself. So I really, that's, that's what it was. Cause I'm like, I can't fake this anymore. Like I can't, I can't like yeah. just do, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, part of that is something that I think a lot of people experience is, you know, going into college, we have, you know, maybe we're aware of like 15 jobs that are out there. And so you kind of like push yourself towards one of those because you're trying to sort of figure out if it's for you. And I think that a lot of people hit a moment where they're like, oh, this isn't what I want to do, but I really don't know what else there is out there. And, you know, sort of as you're saying, like following your intuition and following your interests I mean, I imagine it can, you know, it's kind of scary, but it's, it's also, it, it would be 
hell of a lot scarier to get 30 years into your career and not have done that, you know? Like, it's, you have to sort of follow those, it's almost like a hint, like, you know, like, things that are sort of nudging you towards, as you were saying, like, your purpose. So then I guess let's let's sort of turn to more of your, your film career. How, you know, for for years, how were you balancing that with your full-time healthcare role? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely, my mental health has been impacted. Absolutely. You know, and I'm good now. Well, I don't want to say I'm good now, but I'm, I'm in the process of healing, you know, but it was, I had kind of just accepted all of the burdens of like overworking and you hit a great point about you know not knowing anything else and being presented with certain career paths that you would want to go on and what jobs that are out there i think you said 15 in the nigerian family there's three you know you're a doctor a lawyer or engineer right (laughs) like that's it and my parents are nigerian immigrants and that was how we were raised in a culture that valued education high education to the utmost you know because that's how they make it that's how they make it out of the struggle into success is through the path of education. So with with that burden, I've already was raised in that atmosphere of working hard. We had to work hard. Everything that we did was a reflection of our culture and of our people. So we already, it was already ingrained. So I felt like being, jumping into film industry, I got to be the next Spike Lee. You know, there's no other option but to be the best at what you're doing the way that I was raised. So that it was just kind of embedded in me. So I figured I can figure it out. You know, I know how to balance things. I love to work. So it was my work ethic that really just kept it pushing, you know, just kept it going. But at some point you need to rest. So I didn't know when to rest just because when I was resting in one career, the other career was popping off. So there was never really a good moment to rest with how I was doing two things at once just because the, I don't know, it was just the energy of the moment, you know, when a film just gets produced and then it's in a festival and you have to do interviews. Okay, but I just finished the project for work and now I have to do an interview two hours later. You know, I have to go to an event on a Thursday. That's not, that's not the weekend. I still have to work during the day. So it became, at the end of the day, It became very difficult to balance just because I wanted to show up for both. I wanted to show up for both and I wasn't. I simply wasn't. So I think my work ethic pushed me to balance the way I was balancing for so long. And then my drive, I really had a lot of passion. I felt like I had to prove myself that I I was supposed to be in this career. There's always that sense of imposter syndrome, you know, whether it be in the healthcare industry. I was always the youngest on my team. I always found these positions where I was the youngest. And then in film industry, there's no one doing what I'm doing right now, you know, who I am, what I'm, like, it's just, we don't see as many faces that look like me who are pursuing these goals. So I was always the one that wasn't, was not necessarily, um, I don't want to say supposed to be there, but didn't look like everyone else who was already on the path. But that was also an, ins- you know, it also inspired me more. So I feel like all of these factors just added to the fuel, you know. So there was a fuel in me that really got me to balance it all. So there's just expectations, like societal expectations, family expectations. But then also within, I expected something of myself. If I wasn't going to become a doctor, I expected my drive and everything that I had learned to amount to something. So that pushed it for some time. And then I definitely broke, you know, I'm going to I'm saying it very casual, but 
it definitely weighed down on me and that was that was what during this most recent job actually that's why I decided to leave because I'm like even though this is the best position I've ever had in this industry paying the most love the team you know there was no corporate BS there it was great team doing good stuff city of hope and it's cancer hospital it's relevant to you know my family background all of that it all made sense but it's still there there were times where I couldn't balance there were times where it just too many things crossed too much energy was just depleted and I knew I had to step away so I don't remember your question this is wow did I answer it (laughs) I think well no no I think that that is all very no no it's really helpful background I think part of I mean you we were talking about like the balance and I guess my next question would be and I'm going to say up front that I know this is sort of a dumb question because I imagine there is no day-to-day, but sort of like on a day-to-day basis, what does it look like to be in the film industry in the way that you have been? Yeah, so as an independent filmmaker, so I have my own company, my own production company, M5 Productions, and I run that. So I have a couple of employees. I've like had... Precious work for me at some point. She's writing grants. So I've always like kind of reached out to people who I knew can do the job and, you know, needed needed that something on their resume as well as like I wanted to kind of utilize their their abilities because they weren't being utilized elsewhere in a way. You know, people who are just graduated from college. I have my my Lashmi who's like my assistant at this point. And she acted in Friction, my first film. So many years, so she came back many years later, you know, graduated. And I was like, oh, my God, you were like 12 or 10 when I first met you. So I have people in my life who I've just supported through the production company platform. So day to day would be meetings. I'm like always in and out of meetings, whether it be kind of figuring out what I need to do with social media for my social media team. It might be meeting someone who is potentially an investor for a future project. I might be meeting someone who is helping me figure out some artwork for the poster that I need to do for a film festival that I just got into. So because I have all these productions that are in different stages of production, it always varies. So right now I'm in post-production for my uh, future documentary. I have a meeting in uh, of this upcoming week with Panglass Films or something like that, and they are trying to mentor me and like figuring out how I can you know raise finishing funds. You know I have a meeting about that. So I have a session that I'm going to have with Precious where we're going to be like editing the grant application. And I'm going to finish that application with her. So those are so I think it varies during the week just because. I'm running the company. I have people working for me. So I'm meeting with them, helping plan with them. The LA LGBT Center actually just sponsored me. So I have this great youth program that's involved with my production company. So they send me two interns like every cycle and they work for me, you know, in LA, the center. Yeah. So the center's paying them. So it's like I have all these people who are uh, working for me essentially. So a lot of my day to day is managing people and figuring out what tasks I can assign them, what projects need what attention you know breaking down just the plan i'm a spreadsheet i love my spreadsheets everyone with m5 knows it like there's so many spreadsheets that are just keep everyone organized so that's kind of the day-to-day it depends you know if it's maybe a weekend i might be getting ready for a festival might be getting glammed up you know i might be figuring out my outfit i might be looking over interview questions that i'm going to be asked on the red carpet so it it varies but it's a great collection just because it's it's just keeps me it keeps me going it really does and sometimes I'm doing budget 
you know, I'm going over paying people, you know, figuring that out and figuring out allocating different finishing funds and whatnot. So it really varies. I think it's it's great just because it's all it's entrepreneurship, you know, and that always looks different based off of who you are, what you're doing and where you're going. Right. So I think that it's hard to give like kind of like a timeline that is like just that's solid, you know, but it, you know, I'm accepting interns if people are interested. They can see, they can see their day to day, you yeah. know, but yeah, that's part of the day to day. I edit, I edit a lot. I do the creative. I'm still doing creative. I'm starting to write more. I have other writing projects that I'm working on now. So I'm getting ready for the next writing project. Like I'm getting ready for the next production that's back to narrative. After this documentary, I'm going back to narrative. I can't wait. I miss, I miss my, you know, I miss my feature narrative. I'm a feature baby at the end of the day. So that's happening to, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And so you've said that, you know, you love this, this is your passion, but maybe can we talk a little bit more about what it is that you love about this? And then I guess on the flip side, again, what someone might not like about being an independent filmmaker, even if it doesn't necessarily bother you. Yeah, absolutely. What I love about this, so I like to call it conscious storytelling. This is the genre that I'm really trying to push forward that really encompasses all the different projects that I've already done, with Friction being about a uh, community uprise against police brutality, written in 2013, inspired by Trayvon Martin. So that that was that piece's inspiration, right? Mateo and Cliff is about a homeless black man in L.A. struggling to survive in a society that's enabled his downfall while he's struggling with mental health disorders and just like all kinds of things with addiction as well. So that was me being in L.A. and being involved in all kinds of things in L.A. was the purpose of that script. And then the documentary is about a a group of artists who live in this building. It's called the Hodge. And it used to be a school building and it was repurposed into a artist living space. There's only one artist living there now. And that artist is who I'm documenting with her with her group because they're combating gentrification. Essentially, everyone's been pushed out. The building has been abandoned and it's just... It's just a mess over there. So we're documenting it, showing how they're using their art to kind of inspire change and to combat gentrification by seeking ownership. So all of these products, right, all these productions, they all have a core of some type of social justice, some type of issue that, you know, we're bringing to light. And it's it's really... It's what I'm giving back to the world. You know, it is how I'm contributing to just increasing the conscious and spreading positivity and just enlightening beings to evoke empathy. So I feel like it's really, it's like my my purpose in life, you know, is what I'm doing with the films. So it's, that's why everyone's like, oh, it's a passion, passion. But like I said, I'm really two feet on the path to turn the passion into a career. It's always been a career, but now it's like, let's go. You know, I think it can be expanded. I think I can get more professional. I think I can, there can be so much more to this, right? But it's, it's what, it's where my heart is. You know, it's where my mind is. I'm, I'm very creative in a way where I can just, I can just figure it out, you know? So it's, it's where all my entities are. So that's why I love it because it's, it's all, it encompasses me fully. And it feels like I'm doing something. It feels like I'm making an impact. And I really think this work can make an impact. I really do. And I've seen it. I've seen it. And I've experienced it with the audiences and just people I work with. I'm just like, this is why, you know? So that's always, that's just, the heart is there. That's all, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And do you think that, is there anything about 
being an independent filmmaker that you maybe don't like or that someone else might let not like even if it doesn't bother you absolutely oh my goodness like I don't know where to start I think it's producing I just turn into someone else I just I mean it's really hard to well let me say challenging it's it's very challenging to work with so many different people essentially I like to say M5 so M stands for Musa five is the five siblings, right? So I named the company after my family, after being with siblings that we all were raised together, right? The logo is just all of us holding hands at like from like Precious was like maybe five in the in the little silhouette photo to my oldest brother, Simon, who might've been the 12, you know, like we, we all ra- were raised together. We all raised each other and it's just love. Love is the connecting, is that bond that is with us holding hands. So my whole mantra and my whole just filmmaker mission is when we're creating something, we create it out of love. You know, we're working together as a family essentially because we're rearing life. I always call my projects my children. You know, I don't have ch- kids right now, but my projects are my children. You see it from from your vision to life, you know, you're rearing it. So when you're rearing something with someone, imagine like being, you know, having one partner is hard. Like you have all these people that you're rearing this, like this project with, and it can get, the reason it works with your partner is because you love them. You know, the reason it works with your siblings is because you love them. You know, you, you really, that's why you guys are able to live and rear a child and, and just bring something to life. So how do you love strangers? Right. Or how do you get the strangers to love each other? So it's so challenging producing because I see it in that way because people have conflict because they, they have conflict with personalities. They have conflict with who's telling them what to do. You know, I'm a black woman, Nigerian American. I'm telling you what to do. And people are going to have a problem with that. It's like it's odd, you know, but this is the world we live in. Of course, I'm young. I'm young. I look younger, too. Apparently, I look younger than my age. I'm like, I've never gotten that, but I've been getting that recently. So it's it's triggering people sometimes because I'm looking like their daughter, you know, and they're like this girl who looks like my daughter is telling me like there's all kinds of things. Ageism, just there's so many things that you encounter so much like just oppression and you really encounter that when you are producing and you're trying to lead a team just because you have to deal with people's subconscious biases their conscious biases all of that so I think that's what what people probably don't want to deal with is just the atrocities and just the biases and just the the privilege sometimes the oppressive behaviors all all of that you get all of that because essentially that you're you're just dealing with humans <laughs> to the fullest because you're telling what to do, you're managing them, and and you're trying to have them, you know, in a space where they're safe to work. And sometimes it's just hard. You're a therapist half of the time, so it's a difficult path. There's there's so much. I think I just said everything would kind of make someone not want to do this, and that's why it's kind of rare. You know, I think filmmaking is rare. I think when you do it and you have a, a production that actually makes it a post-production, that makes it distribution, that is a praise, you know, because it's a very difficult process. And I, I believe that's why, because you have to really bring everyone together and everyone needs to just play their role. And people might have different opinions as to what that role looks like. So that's, if that's a, it's kind of a larger, there's a broad way of looking at it as to why someone wouldn't want to, but dealing with personalities, I guess, is the, in short, summarized reason that someone might not want to do it, just because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I feel like, you know, touching on, on that, on what you just said about sort of the, like, balancing what you love about it with some of the challenging aspects 
and we we've talked a little bit about sort of mental health how do you think your priorities have changed since you were in college how do you think you've sort of gotten to this point where you felt ready to jump in with two feet on being a filmmaker Great question, because this needs to be spoken about, because at the end of the day, when I graduated, uh, two words, you know, student loans, like I feel like those, that was, that was the prime priority is to get those down. You know, I, I had some scholarships, absolutely, academic scholarships, did all that, you know, but then I took many loans to be at BC, opposed to Smith, which was offering me more. And I remember my mom sat me down and she's like, you know you're about to borrow a lot of money. See, because they were really trying to get me to go to Smith. And I was like, that's a party. That's a party. I'm in Boston. You know, like there was that, yeah, the priorities were not straight. You know, my priorities as to why I chose BC, it was not was not aligned with my actual purpose, you know, at the time. But I, I love and never regret any part of my journey just because of all that I've learned from it. But I see, you know, hindsight's 2020. I see it now. I'm like, mm. But my priority graduating was definitely to find a job that would pay me to like get my student loan down, you know, to really, it was about the check. And I think that's why the healthcare job, I was like, oh, this is great. Oh, it's good money. And, you know, it really fell aligned with that purpose at that time. Right. So my priorities have shifted. So as I'm getting into, let's say, this past like four months, you know, being at the highest paid job for this position that I've worked for for all my 20s, you know, I don't have as much debt. I do have a mortgage, but that's another thing. I figured I figured out another way to pay that. But I I realized that my priorities have shifted because I would have stayed at that six figure job to pay for my mortgage. You know, I would have stayed if I had the same mindset as when I graduated, you know, because when I graduated college, it was really, I was still kind of going by design. You know, I still was conditioned to operate by design. And that's what you did. You got a job to pay off your bills. You That's just what you did at that time. So my priorities have shifted due to how going by design impacted my mental health. So now my personal design is by intention. You know, I'm living by intention. And my intention is to stay sane and healthy, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And that is doing filmmaking. You know, that is aligns with with why, with me really trying to continue my, my journey of just being the best me I can be. So at the time when I graduated college, I wasn't thinking about that. You know, I was not, I was drinking, I was doing, I don't drink anymore. You know, I've, I've stopped a lot of things I used to do because I'm like, I need to lose weight. I need to get healthy. Da, da, da. You know, I'm trying to heal at many different levels. So my priorities have shifted because I'm, I'm paying attention to my health. I'm paying attention to my body more and just respecting the temple I'm in, you know, because I really, I have not been, I, I hadn't been doing that. <laughs> Let me, yeah. So I think it's shifted in that way. And I'm not just, I'm finding more innovative innovative ways of making money. You know, I'm, I have multiple lines of streams of income. So that's another priority that I didn't have before. You know, before I was just like, it's going to be that and that, you know, one stream. But now there are so many different streams that you can have. And that is my priority to increase my streams of income. I'm renting my car with Turo when I'm not in town. I'm doing Airbnb. You know, I'm trying, I'm writing for people. I'm, you know, I have these different pockets going that is amounting to the same that I would be getting paid at one job. And it's, it's more fulfilling for me because it's actually I'm putting in less energy, you know, because it's just my car. You know, I just it's Airbnb like that's I'm not it's an easier check 
at the end of the day. So my priorities have shifted in that way since graduating. Yeah. Hopefully that answered it. I always think like I don't answer it, but no, no, no. I'm, I'm I, I love that. No, I think <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, I also like what you said about, you know, you don't regret your, your choice to go to BC. I had a, a mentor at my last job who I, th- I think I said something about like, I don't regret doing whatever it was. And, and he was like, well, yeah, that's a good policy for life. Like you just shouldn't regret things because it just is what makes you who you are. And there's, you know, it, it just like, I think it's also part of sort of like treating yourself with kindness of like not regretting things that you've done because you've learned from them. And, and, you know, if you have something that even like could be something that you regret sort of saying like, no, this is sort of like part of who I am and, and part of my journey. So You've mentioned some of your mentors. What do you think is the best career advice that you've gotten? I think the best career advice that I've gotten has probably been listen to your gut. Your gut is God. And I don't want to say I'm religious or, you know, I think that I don't like to necessarily label myself as such because I think that could have been substituted with universe that could have been substituted with whatever you believe in if you believe in a higher power and I think why that impacted me in that way is because I feel like when you you kind of she kind of like it centered me it it made me believe in myself even more and it made things so clear in that moment you know because Essentially, whenever I was doing anything that was against my purpose or it just wasn't aligned with who I was, I felt it, you know, and either I'm I'm over here like I just need to, you know, suffer through, you know, I say suffer through, not persevere because it's suffering through, you know, and sometimes that's the case. And maybe at the time I didn't need to necessarily do that. You know, I think my my whole mentality with with what my body was telling me was different. You know, it was either like even like, let's say playing basketball, when you're hurting, you go harder, you know, that means that it's a good thing. So sometimes like what pain is, and what your body's telling you has been kind of misconstrued based off of your past conditioning, whether it be through sports or just your cultural upbringing. So when she said that, I just, it just did something to me, you know, in that moment, because I've always felt like I, I, I went against myself in so many moments. So in a way, it's really like, listen to your gut. You know, that your gut is what is guiding you ultimately. And that's what I see, like guidance, you know. That's why I said substitute God if you need to. You know, I'm not triggered by the word anymore. You know what I mean? I went through a whole time where I was just like, oh, why do we use that word? And I'm like, you know what? I get it now. You know what I mean? It's I, I had those phases. So if you need to substitute the word understandable, I see it in everyone now. So I'm just like, we're all, I'm, I'm you, you are me. That's where I'm at right now in my spiritual journey. So also it's, it's really grounding just knowing that the answer is always within you know, and it's, it's never anywhere else, but within. So that was, it was just comforting. Cause it just felt like, okay, I'm always, I'm always going to be okay. Cause it's, it's my gut, you know, my gut's right here. I'm good. So it was just great career, career advice because it just gave me this reassurance, 
it was such a reassurance that I was doing what I needed to do because my body felt good. You know, I felt good. And it was, that's all I needed to hear in that moment. Cause I was like, oh wow. Cause people are always looking for guidance everywhere. They're, they're seeing guidance everywhere, you know, and it might be misguidance. You know, you're seeing that sign, mm, you don't need to follow that. You know, like there are certain things that are just misleading. So when you, when you look within and you feel it within, that is when you're good. When you figure that out, it took me some time. It took me some time to connect and to really just have that aha moment. But when she told me that, it was it was everything to me just because I say it all the time. You know, I'm always like, okay, gut, gut, gut. You know, got to go with the gut. How am I feeling right now? How is this impacting me? What is my emotional response? Because you've got to listen to your emotions. It's, hap- it's happening for a reason. You know, detect that, process that, and move forward. Or sit still, you know, and you'll know by your body. I feel like that's... That's not taught in school, too. We don't even know, like, how to, like, what's going on. (laughs) Like, so I think that's something important to kind of be advised on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And you were saying earlier that, you know, you are really sort of a leader as an independent filmmaker. There are not a lot of people who are who look like you, who have your background in the space. So for someone who, you know, is hearing the story and identifying with it and is just thinking, you know, that's what I want to do, but I'm not sure how to get there. What advice do you have for them? I think that what needs to be known is that when you're forging your own path, there's going to be so many obstacles along the way that, you you would have no idea to that you would be encountering. So one thing I always I feel like what I've been doing the past couple of years is is staying clear. And what I mean by that is you hear it all the time. I think I think across the board from science to astrology to philosophy, we all can agree that water is powerful. You know, we I think it's like the eighty percent of us are water. You know, like there's so many there's just so many so much basis in the power of water that I I'm a water sign that's there too. So I I love water and I always feel like I love looking at water. I love like that's just so peaceful to me. And what I've learned over the years is that we say there's so many different spiritual people who always are like be like water be still like water or flow like water i think knowing how to flow and being in the flow is very important but staying clean and clear is also important because if you have water and it's moving and i was just at the i think it was like crystal bridges or something and i went there yesterday and i'm in arkansas for work right now so it's a random in the ozark forest i'm you know just in nature love to do that to clear my head yesterday the water was so murky it was so murky, it was brown, you know? And I'm like, ooh, that's wild. Like, ooh, that's, it just looked gross. Today, it's this beautiful turquoise color. And I was just like, oh my God. And I saw all these different things that were in the water, you know? And I'm just like, that is so beautiful. Like, you, you would never know. You would never know what's there, what's going to be there, what's been there in the past if you're cloudy, if you're murky. So staying clean and clear is very important. And what that means to you is going to be, is really going to be different for everyone. But I think focusing on that is so important because as you're flowing, you're going to encounter a rock. You don't want to have things, you don't want to be, have this like chemistry or just these compounds that are just blocking you. You know, you want to be clean and clear so you can flow around that rock. You know, that's the rocks are coming. They're going to come. 
So you got to keep it going. You got to keep it flowing somehow, but watch what your chemistry is. You know, pay attention to yourself because that is how you're going to get through right? So if you are blocked up, if you got all kinds of things in you, you know, whether it be negative energy, whether it be a whole bunch of alcohol, even sometimes, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can stay clean and clear. And what that means to you, I think you'll know, you'll know what prevents you from clarity. And that's so important to work on that work on that first, because when you're not clean and clear, you're not able to flow, and you're not going to be able to lead, you know, because if who's going to follow you, if you're you're leading them into rocks, Who's going to follow you if, you know, you are, you, you don't see what's coming and it's murky and they can't understand you, you know? So I think that focusing on yourself and trying to like really look within to say, how can I be as clean and clear as possible? I think that's important. So looking within and making sure you're, you're clean and clear so that you can continue to flow because you're going to have to be able to flow because it's a new, it's a new journey. It's a new path. And it's beautiful though, because it's like you're forging it and that's just new energy you know, that is coming from old, of course, but it's still new to you in that moment. And you got to embrace that too. embrace your journey and stay clean and clear. Oh, I should like be Clarisil right now. <laughs> like you add. <laughs> I love, it. But, I love yeah. it. So, you know, we talked about a bunch of different things, but before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish that I had? No, you covered a lot, Sarah. This was a great interview. You know, you're great at this. I appreciate, you know, being on the show and, you know, getting these questions. I always love sharing my story. And we covered so much. You know, I, I'm i so glad that I'm just reflecting on this. You know, it's bringing back the purpose. Even just, I just feel my fuel. Like, as I'm talking, I'm like, it's just coming naturally if you're feeling it, too. Like, it's just like, wow, it's just even more reassuring. So there's nothing more, really. I think that... If you're in a time, so I've been fasting, so I can I can talk about what because this clean and clear. I hope that whoever hears it, whoever needs to hear it, will hear it. You know what I mean? Because I'm like I think that might be too abstract, but but you know if you hear it and you I don't know like sometimes I have combos and people are like wow you know people are in your life to say certain things in certain moments. Not everyone's gonna get it. It's gonna be specific to the ears that need to hear it, and I believe in that. But one thing that I also believe in right now is like taking the time to fast. I think whatever that means to you, you'll understand just because you have to establish discipline. There's going to be many moments, especially in this industry, where you're going to, man, you're going to want to give up. You're really going to want to give up. So if you really establish some level of discipline or just like being able to, because it's really focusing on the purpose. Why are you doing this? Like that, like I said before, moving with intention. You have to sit with that first because that's going to push you through. I've just been challenged so many different ways. My mental health has, has been impacted so many different ways from anxiety to, you know, like just so many lows. It's just like there's so much that I've had to deal with that at the end of the day, at every day, in the beginning of the day too, it was reflecting within. It always started within. So that's, that's just important. I think I've touched upon that a lot already, but yeah, it was a great interview. It was a great yeah, interview. Thank you thank so you. much for sharing your story. I think, I think you're totally right that, you know, your, your words will hit the ears that need to hear them. So I'm, I'm really excited and, and thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Like what you're hearing? Take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast. If you want to be super extra supportive, share it with a friend. I also want to hear from you. 
If you have a suggestion for a specific guest or if there's a type of job, role, or company you'd like me to explore, let me know. Just send your suggestions to whatdopeopledoallday2022 at gmail.com. See you next week.